welcome back to another episode of Lunch with Auntie. In this episode, I talked to Su Yen Wong, who is an absolute inspiration, and I absolutely loved interviewing her. She is a professional speaker, a strategic advisor, and a board director. We talked about how she did her degree in music and computer science to gender inequity on boards, her greatest struggles, and really her advice. So stay tuned. So welcome to Lunch with Auntie. Thank you. Uh, thanks um and just to throw it right back to like when you were my age how did you decide to go to america get a liberal arts degree and then how did you decide on music and computer science well that's a lot in there um, <laughs> well i guess first of all back in the day um to study music one really had to go overseas because there weren't the options here in singapore so um you know pretty early on when i decided that i want to focus on on music, um, it was pretty clear that I would be going overseas um, to pursue that path. Liberal arts um, was really quite a natural choice in the sense because I've always had a um, curiosity about a broad range of areas and um, I think liberal arts is something that has allowed me to explore you know, everything from philosophy to science to computing to economics and, and I really found it extremely valuable to be able to, um, you know, learn about um, such a broad array of uh, subjects. So, um, so that's really how that that happened. And uh, I think the other part of it was I, I left when I was pretty young. Um, I went to the U.S. when I was 16 um, for uni, and um, my parents wanted me to go to a place that was a little bit uh, less. We should say that that was that was not as dangerous as one of the large giant cities. So I ended up yes. in, a, in a relatively small town that was probably considered quite safe. So uh, so that's that's uh, that's the story. Okay, and mu- music and computer science, just a little bit more on your degree. Did they complement each other in any ways, or you know, how did you land from like going into doing music to doing something? I think most people would consider really different great question. You know, computer science wasn't even on my radar when I, you know, first stepped through the gates of, uh, of the college, right? Um, but again, I think part of being exposed to a broad range of fields is the beauty of being able to understand where one has particular interests that one might not even be aware of. And uh, if you, you know, retrospectively look at sort of the research that has been done, in fact, um, there's been some work that academics have looked at to look at the commonalities between music and mathematics, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, some of music is actually quite mathematical. So I suppose innately there may be some common threads there. For me, really, it was about um, trying to balance both, at least in my mind, um, the right hand and the left yeah. hand brain, both components. And what I tried to do was actually explicitly find links between the two. So my thesis actually was around um, using, developing a computing program um, to help with uh, the, the, the teaching and, and examination of theory, musical theory. Um, now, that doesn't sound particularly sophisticated because here we are in 2020, but back in the day that was quite <laughs> unusual. So, yeah, you didn't have all the programs that existed at the time. So it was really trying to bridge um, those two seemingly um, different domains and find the intersection point between them. That's fascinating. I love the idea of bridging between the left side of the brain and right side of the brain because I think growing up, at least in a lot of education systems, you usually learn 
you're one or the other. You can either be left-brained or you can be right-brained and you can't really be both. But I love the idea that you did a degree that allowed you to become both. Well, which is um, in many in many ways, you know, part of the, the beauty of a liberal arts education is the fact that you can um, do things like that. You can structure, at least I was able to have the opportunity to structure my own major. I was able to sort of, you know, put together the right kind of uh, curriculum um, subject to, you know, having a, you know, sort of a common core of, of courses. But beyond that, you could actually really get pretty creative by designing um, where you wanted to spend your time um, according to one's passions. Fascinating. Um, and then you went into speaking and you're now a really, really well-known speaker. You've spoke for, for amazing institutions. How did you get into that and how do you think you acquired kind of the soft skills and the ability to do that? Well, I didn't start out that way, as you rightly pointed out. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because it almost seems like I've come full circle. As a musician, you know, in, in essence, one is performing. Right? You're in front of an audience and uh, you get up on stage and you're trying to communicate uh, via either your voice or your instrument um, to make your audience feel something because that's the essence of how music operates. It's not much to see as such, mm-hmm. right? You have to feel it. Um, but after a few years of working, actually, I started working in marketing and then I went on to get my MBA and I went into the business world um, for many years and that's where computing comes back in again. Um, I sort of come full circle, as you rightly put it, to these days I'm spending you know, a good portion of my time speaking to audiences. And, and speaking to audiences is also about how you make them feel. Yeah. Um, yes, you put some, you, know, you, you need to you know, figure out what it is that you want them to take away from the message, what you want to do, what actions you want them to take, how you want to inspire um, change. Uh, how you perhaps want to make them think differently. And so um, in, a, in a funny sort of way, I, I feel like it's come full circle. It's just performing in a different domain, if you will. Um, so I suspect that um, you know, while I no longer um, perform at an instrument as such, um, it's a funny thing that sort of those skills um, are still innate within within you know, within myself. So I, I am a huge believer that everything that we learn um, is not, uh, if, if you choose to utilize it in the right way, uh, it's never a waste. Yeah. There's always a way to make it relevant in some way. Sometimes it takes a little bit more effort to connect those dots. Mm-hmm. But um, the reality is, you know, by, by, by exploring different pathways and by trying to find um, the unexpected connections, um, that actually is sometimes where the greatest value can be found. I love hearing someone say that something I'm going to learn in college or university is actually going to be useful for the real life because you're so used to seeing what my MBA didn't teach me or why my education was useless. And it's great to see um, that maybe something might be useful. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, uh, right, if you, if you ask me sort of, you know, can I remember precisely... Um, you know, this historical fact or that mathematical formula and how I've applied those specific, you know, pieces of information uh, in my career and my life. No, it's not quite that linear, but I would also say that it's, well, coming back to your point about from a liberal arts perspective, um, it's, it's, it's exercising the muscle around learning and it's exercising the muscle around drawing inferences and connections yeah right 
So those, I think, are at least for me have served me well in the long in the long term. You know, I think it's um, you know, there there are certain people that are very clear about specific professional um, domains that they want to focus on. So you know, somebody maybe says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a heart surgeon, and that's very specific, and mm-hmm. that's their passion, and that's that's the path that they should go down. But I think increasingly, as you look at sort of for many people in the workforce at all levels, there is a need for us to keep um, reinventing ourselves as the world around is changing so much more rapidly than it used to in the past. And so then it comes back down to, you know, building those muscles that are flexible to change and to adaptation. So, um, you know, that's a bit of my point when, when I'm saying that, you know, it's not a waste because what you're learning is not just the what or the content, but it's also you're learning the how, which is how do you respond and how do you adapt and how do you learn. That's, yeah, no, that's really, really that interesting. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, and I did a little stalk of your website, I won't lie, um, or research, we won't call it stalk. Um, and it says that you're an active member of um, women corporate directors. And I was wondering if you could chat a little bit about that. Yes, thanks for asking. Um, so the other um, half of my life, when I'm not speaking to various audiences around the world, is uh, I serve on a number of boards of companies. So um, what this typically involves is, you know, you're involved in, in setting the direction for a company, providing um, guidance to an organization, at uh, you know, at, at a senior level, and so um, from a director perspective, you have responsibility for that particular organization. So mm-hmm. some organizations are you know very large companies, some are smaller companies, some are not for profit organizations, some are charity groups, some are yeah. It, it spans a pretty um, broad domain, but one of the um, challenges that I think uh, you know many of us have been trying to work towards uh, solving is how do we get more um, better representation of women on some of these boards uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, the, the percentage of women on boards you know varies from you know low single digits to you know in the in the 20 or 30 percent depending on which country you're looking at um, and I think if you look at how the workforce has evolved and then you take the next step and you say well how has senior management the ratio between men and women evolved the next logical question to then ask is well then what should be an appropriate mix of um, skills as well as um, you know background representation at the board level Um, so that's where gender comes in and that's where women corporate directors comes in but I would also say that you know for all um, for all organizations that are thinking about diversity, I also think it's really important to not focus on any one particular dimension of diversity. There's age diversity, there's ethnic diversity, mm-hmm. there's diversity in educational background, depending on the organization, social economic background, edu- you know, um, a very broad range of diversity dimensions that one yeah. ought, to, uh, ought to consider. Um, and you know, I think uh, it should also be said that just because one has um, diversity in one dimension doesn't mean that one, you know, that, that the board is necessarily, um, you know, have, have getting the inputs of um, of 
the breadth of experiences that it that it might have. Let me just give you an example. Let's say you've got a board that's got fifty percent men and fifty percent women, but let's yeah. say the company is really focusing on trying to grow uh, internationally. But yet, everyone on the board, fifty percent men, fifty percent women, um, is from a particular country that and hasn't had much exposure growing a business internationally. Well, you probably you so you have diversity in one dimension, but you may not have diversity uh, in other domains that are equally important for helping the organization grow. Yeah, no, that's that's really fascinating. And just on the boards, I was. This is just me. We've had many debates at school, and it's something that I think is really being put into education now. But how do you fix this gender inequity problem? How do you like? How can we take active steps? You know, is it a quota that needs to be put in place? Is it a, you know, there's so many different economic routes that economists debate of how. Like, so in your experience, what is the best way to move forward with this and trying to get multi-dimensional? Um, diversity in boards. Yeah. yeah. So, um, on the one hand, quotas are, um, in some ways, uh, simple. They're a blunt tool, and mm-hmm. you say, "Well, tomorrow we want X percentage of whether whatever dimension," and everybody goes at it and does that. But yeah. I think it's actually um, a little bit simplistic because if you think about all the different dimensions of diversity that. We were just now speaking about, uh, and you, if you truly believe in um, diversity in a broad definition, then it follows logically that that, that one, if, if you go down a quota path, that then one ought to have quotas on every single dimension. So yeah. X percentage, you know, uh, of this ethnicity, X percentage of this age range, X percentage of this gender mix, and and that very quickly becomes rather. Um, impractical Mm -hmm. so i think from in terms of how to actually move the needle on this um a few things that i've seen um work quite well yeah uh, is is number one is um ensuring that boards actually have a structured process for when they want to bring in new directors as opposed to just relying on oh who do you know yeah. Because if it's based on who do you know, well, number one, we only know a limited subset of people. <laughs> yeah. Very often are like us, and if the boards are currently representing a particular demographic, um, then that's what you're going to perpetuate, right? Mm-hmm. So one is actually going through a much more uh, open process with very specific criteria around what you're looking for. Uh, and then at that point in time, make sure that you're getting a broad range of candidates, servicing people that you know the board might not have been aware of yeah. before um, to bring them in. So that's one one way. Another way I would say is that, and I get asked um, this question by aspiring directors, um, both men and women, uh, but but very often more women than men, uh, which is well, what does it take to be a director? I would say on the other end is um, for women. Um, who um, think that this is something that they might want to pursue is to go down the path of, first of all, learning. And so there's this professional education, education like anything else, training, learning, but mm-hmm. also to build um, relationships and networks um, with people who are, um, you know, who, who, who are in that space. Um, so, you know, if a lot of... So on the one hand, you build a structure process, but on the other hand, if people are also relying on you know somebody who's at the back of their head well then you know you sort of want to be in that pool and that mix. yeah so i think it's sort of being um 
you know, so being pragmatic about um, both sides of both sides of uh, both the supply and, and demand. So next question. Thank you so much for that. I like, you know, I think something it's something I'm considering going into. It's something I know a lot of my friends are considering going into. And it's that kind of double edged sword of you want diversity, but you also want to be the first person someone thinks of. Mm-hmm. Um, but on to the next question. Um, what has been your greatest struggle, not just with a like board, like being a board director or a professional speaker? What has been like a struggle that you really had to like fight to get through? Because I feel as though sometimes and I've talked about this a lot it's very easy to see someone we really look up to and you know I look up to you and so many other people do as well and just think oh it was easy for them it was really straightforward for them to get there they were lucky um so I always try to make it so that we chat about something that was a little bit difficult and that you know you had to try a few times and that you know it wasn't just success there were failures as well yeah you know and and that's such a great question and I think it's you know we we often learn more from the challenges than we do from the Mm -hmm. successes right um you know one one um anecdote that I can share with your listeners is um you know early on in my career I was actually um working on a number of consulting projects I was a strategy consultant for many years yeah uh, in Korea and Mm um I had um I faced what what I, I term as sort of the triple whammy, which is um, I looked young, I mm-hmm. was female, and I was Asian. Um, yeah. So when you put all of those three factors together, and think about it as a as a management consultant, you're trying to go in and advise the client. But you know, this was at a time when the environment was, um, you know, not not as necessarily welcoming of somebody who was young, female, and Asian, I often tell people that if any one of those dimensions had been different, it yeah. actually would have it actually would have actually changed the experience. So if I had been young, female, and Caucasian, mm-hmm. that would have given me a different level of credibility. If I had been Asian, female, but didn't look as young, that would have been another dimension. Yeah. Been, and there were three factors Asian. that you can't change. What's that? There's three factors that you can't really yes, change. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I had this trifecta, right, that sort of was working against me. So what I did in that situation was I realized that, well, at the end of the day, I still needed to be able to, you know, convince and persuade my clients, advise them, and, you know, do all, this, all the things that, you know, we were there to do. So um, what I did was I actually took a, a, a fairly pragmatic approach again I think I'm a I'm, I'm quite a pragmatist um, which was first of all I recognize that you know people understand and will accept you when they can see evidence of um, the value that you're bringing to them right so my question that I asked myself was how can I demonstrate this value and how can I convince them that I can add value and what I learned was that it was actually by building Um, relationships individually so I would spend time with people some of the clients individually um, to work through issues with them so that they could actually see that I was there to help them and to work with them and once that um, was established then Mm -hmm. they were able to look past the um, surface dimensions right these three surface dimensions yeah be able to forge your way forward the other thing that i also did and this may sound really funny was that i never ever disclosed my age 
okay. And they would try all sorts of ways to find out. It was hilarious. So they would ask my colleagues, they would ask me, they would try and you know, get all kinds of questions. But I, I learned 101 ways of how to deflect that question. Wow. So I never disclosed I never disclosed that. Because, I mean, obviously they can, they can see I'm Asian, they can see I'm female, they can only guess at my age, right? So, yeah. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't want that to be a, um, a, a mental barrier to mm-hmm. them. So uh, that was something that I actually, um, you know, withheld. Yeah, no, that's... I, that's a fantastic story and something I probably wouldn't have thought about, you know, going into it. And I hope, yeah. Um, so on a bit of a lighter note, what is your favorite part of your about your job? Gosh, um, I the thing is, I don't really have one particular job, right? So that's true. The favorite part of my job is the fact that I have a number of things that at any given point in time are bubbling along at different rates. Mm-hmm. So um, whether it's, you know, uh, the board of this organization or that organization, every day is so different. Yeah. Or whether it's, you know, um, speaking to this group of people that are auditors versus lawyers versus, uh, you know, different types of people, um, you know, they're all so dif- different. So I think it comes back to your original question about my liberal arts and my response mm-hmm. was I think that I have a curiosity about a breadth of areas um, and so um, it's really the diversity of um, issues, challenges uh, environments um, that I find myself in that I really enjoy the most Okay, no that's that's fantastic, yeah no I love the idea that you don't just have one job you know you've got like a complete multi-dimension of jobs and you know, different careers all at once kind of thing. I guess it wasn't always that way, in all fairness. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, over time, I guess um, that's how I've chosen to spend my time and, and design my career. Um, but I would also say that for, um, you know, obviously for, for quite a number of years, I obviously spent quite a bit of time developing depth in particular areas as well. Yeah. And I think um, it's it's a bit of, um, it seems a bit of a, of a paradox, but... Um, having built that depth is actually what has allowed me to then surface and come back up and build breadth. So okay. I think of I often think of um, careers as looking like an hourglass. Yeah. Which is early on, learn lots of stuff. And Soak up what you is, can. It, well, yes, and some of this has sort of been my personal experience, but also observations of how other people have uh, developed in their careers, which is early on have a broad base and interest, a broad foundation, whatever you choose to study. So even if you decide to go into a professional field that's very, very specific, cultivate a broad range of interests so that you can build out a very um, a strong foundation that has a number of different um, legs to it, right? So that's the base of the hourglass. Yeah. But in order to develop um, expertise, that's when you narrow into the middle part of the hourglass and you get deep into particular domains. And some people may have, you know, over the course of their career, more than one of those stems, but mm-hmm. the, the, the depth and the focus part is important at some point. And then later on in one's career, uh, and later can be defined in lots of different ways, yeah. you broaden back out to the top of the hourglass, which is, again, based on the breadth. So um, I guess I've um, tried to uh, apply that model to my life as well. Yeah. 
No, I love that. The whole idea of the hourglass going in and out. It makes a lot of sense, even as someone who hasn't really even started a career yet. Um, and, you know, I've taken up a lot of your time, but just last thing I always ask is, do you have any advice for people my age? <clears throat> and, like, not just, like, people my age, but people, like, going into university or, you know, starting their first career around, you know, going forward into that and how to become really successful like you. Yeah, well, you know, I think um, you're very kind to sort of describe it as, you know, success like me, and I actually think that it's uh, it's important to, um, you know, uh, stay humble and to recognize that no matter where one is um, at one's point in, in life or career, there will always be those who are ahead and there will always be those who are behind and mm -hmm. we're sort of, you know, somewhere in that space. Uh, but I would say... Um, you know, I, I guess a couple of things. One is, um, I, I'll, I'll send you a, a link later, yeah. um, which was a, a, a commencement address um, to graduating seniors that I that I gave a few years ago um, mm -hmm. a, around what I wish I had known at the time, so that may be, <laughs> that may be interesting to you. Um, oh, yeah, but definitely. But fundamentally, I think it's really around, um, you know, developing a deep curiosity uh, about lots of different things. Uh, the world that you are entering, or, or arguably are in, um, is really evolving at such a great pace yeah. that it's going to be so important over one's life, and I, and I mean life and not just career, but over one's life, to actually be able to keep evolving um, as, you know, as the tide turns. And so a lot of that has to do with being open and, and, and having an open mindset um, towards learning, um, mm -hmm. having an open mindset towards ideas. Um, we, as human beings, tend to have certain biases around uh, our own realities. Yeah. Um, and uh, forget to take off the blinders around, you know, other alternative realities which are just as real they're just not our lived experiences mm -hmm. and i think that that's um probably you know going to be even more important uh moving forward in the future yeah um, so you know remain open remain curious um learn about lots of different areas um and uh don't be afraid to try new stuff you know i think i was just um i, I had a conversation recently with um a young woman who is uh, about to graduate from university and um, you know she's trying to decide between a number of different jobs that she could take and um, you know my one of the points that I that I was sharing with her was you know whichever job you take now is is, is not a life sentence right yeah <laughs> you know, that whatever you choose now is going to commit you forever down a particular path you may choose to go down that path and that's perfectly fine mm -hmm. uh, or you may choose at some point to build on whatever it is that you learn in the next several years to pivot into something else and that's perfectly fine as well yeah so, um, i think remaining open um is going to be um, very critical no i love that the hunger for learning and the curiosity and seeking to learn more i just think that's fantastic um and i just wanted to say before we end a massive thank you for coming on and talking about this especially during this time when i'm sure everyone is super duper busy um and i'm sure everyone will be absolutely inspired by kind of your multiple platforms of everything that you do because i was just thinking you know i usually write like a little brief about the person that i interview and i'm like oh i'm gonna have to put a really long list on this one because you just do so much <laughs> Yeah, you too. Thank you.
So that is another episode of Lunch with Auntie done. I think that is our sixth interview. Thank you so much to Su Yen Wong for coming on. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to her story as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. If you want to find out more about her, click the link in the description. It'll take you to the website. And there, there's all her articles and links and where to find out more. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time.